Before I begin my remarks, I wish to recognize our unity of interest which brings us here tonight, while at the same time acknowledging our diversity in thought, ages, and genders. I want to thank our elders in our congregation whose foresight provided for us to be here today, as well as our community leaders who brought us forth to this time. And I encourage our future generation to continue to build an inclusive, welcoming world for all people, regardless of race, religion, gender, disability, or political persuasion. 25 years ago, I could not imagine there would be a Shabbat celebrating LGBTQ plus pride at Congregation Sherazetic or any other mainstream congregation. Further from my imagination, I would be the one standing in front to share remarks, much less to be sharing my gay Jewish journey with everyone. I feel like there should be a special Shekianu prayer recited just for this. I am not, nor do I profess to be, an expert on gay life, although I have studied it all my adult life. I am barely authority on my own life. You may hear me tonight refer to gay pride or gay this when I mean to include LGBTQ+. Forgive me, my language is outdated. Rabbi Simon asked me to speak about my journey, both Jewish and gay, which led me to attend the 25th World Congress of LGBT Jews in Sydney, Australia this past March. Sammy Davis Jr. on a golf course with Jack Benny was asked what was his handicap. Handicap, wisecrack Davis. Talk about handicap. I am a one-eyed Negro Jew. I understand his reaction because I am a left-handed gay Jew. <laughs> Roughly 10% of the U.S. population is left-handed. 14% of all presidents have been left-handed. Five out of seven of the last presidents, or 71%. My father's favorite uncle was left-handed. His generation was punished for being left-handed, sometimes physically abused. I was fortunate. My generation was simply discriminated and to but tolerated for being left-handed. Many teachers showed little understanding. Dr. Kinsey, in his famous 1948 study, predicted 10% of the U.S. population of white males had a homosexual experience for at least three years between the ages of 16 and 55. He concluded that 4% were lifetime homosexuals. A 2018 Gallup poll concluded 4.5% of the U.S. population identify as LGBTQ+. A broad definition of Judaism in America estimates six to eight million people live in the U.S., or about 2% of the U.S. population is Jewish. Who would have thought being left-handed would give me more allies and inclusion than being twice blessed as gay and Jewish? <laughs> These three elements may identify me, but do not define me. Anyone that I have allowed, any more than I have allowed being hit head on by a drunk driver 31 years ago tonight to define me. Some of you know I converted to Judaism 
This may surprise you since my father is Jewish. I was raised Catholic since my mother was Catholic and both religions agreed the child's religion is that of the mother. I joined a predominantly Jewish fraternity in college and I studied for conversion while a freshman in college. My conversion was done to satisfy the Orthodox. Should I come to marry an Orthodox woman? Yes, there was a moil involved. I was a serious 19-year-old. I came out to myself after a New Year's resolution when I was 25. My first boyfriend my mother picked up on and asked if he had a crush on me. Mother's intuition always know. I still thought it was just a phase. She and I did not have a frank discussion until I was 32, after a drunk driver hit me and I was recuperating at my parents' home. My mother feigned understanding but told me not to tell my father. When I was 34, I attended a gay Jewish temple, Itzhak Haim, in North Miami. It was exciting. It was electric. It was the energy which drew me to Judaism. It is what I felt my fraternity brothers had experienced at Camp Coleman. People were happy to be there on a Friday night. I made friends, one I keep with still today. He told me about this whole network of gay temples across the U.S. and Canada. As each new assignment came up for me, I called Mitch to find out there was a gay temple there. My life and outlook changed when I reached Chicago in September of 1992. I apologize. I've been sweating all day, nervous about this, so forgive me. <laughs> this native Floridian was sent to oversee a fur liquidation sale in Chicago. I knew nothing about furs or Chicago. I did know I did not want to look out my apartment window at another brick wall for the entire winter. I ended up in Lakeview on Lakeshore Drive overlooking Lake Michigan. What I did not know was I was two blocks east of Boys Town, the Gay Hood, also less than a mile from Warkadash, the Gay Temple. I made friends. It felt like home. After services, we went out to, for drinks and coffee at local gay establishments. This was celebrating Shabbat the way I wanted. One of my new friends was born and raised in Chicago and led me on a tour and an understanding of Chicago. Sunday brunch with friends became a regular event. Walking down the street, I suddenly presumed everyone was gay <laughs> and might find out otherwise later. The people I worked with were also predominantly Jewish. Suddenly, I was free to be both Jewish and gay in Chicago. Being gay, being Jewish, and not obviously either, you learn to compartmentalize. You learn more about people too when they don't know everything about you. For one thing, you're privy to prejudicial comments in passing. Unfortunately, you also compartmentalize your friends. It has only been in the past five to 10 years I have been more open. I learned more I learned there is no issue in socializing with my gay and Jewish friends at the same time. Surprising, they already knew each other. Chicago introduced me to new Jewish melodies, new prayers, readings, which spoke to my heart, discovery of klezmer music, and I learned to sing Adon Alam to the theme from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> I said sing, not leave. 
Chicago left an empty spot in my heart and soul when I finally returned to Tampa. I traveled for extended periods with work. Chicago led to Cleveland, Washington, D.C., Laguna Beach, Hollywood, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and finally Tampa formed a gay temple, Beth Rockamine. Um, one year my assignment changed. I watched a hummingbird get confused at a flowered tablecloth outdoors above the Pacific Ocean for Rosh Hashanah and Laguna Beach. And 10 days later, I heard a 12-year-old play Kol Nidre beautifully on a cello in a ballroom in Philadelphia. Both were magical. Because of this extended travel at one point in the 90s, I belonged to four gay temples across the US. I was also introduced to regional and world congresses of this network of gay Jewish organizations. In 1995, I attended the 10th World Congress of LGBTQ plus Jews in New York City. It was spiritual, enlightening, emotional, and it was fun. So this year, in need of a little spiritual reboot, I set off for Sydney, Australia, in the 25th World Congress of LGBTQ plus Jews. Do not try to make sense of the math. It varies. Many of these congregations formed in the early 70s. And to organize this loose band of GLBTQ plus organizations across North America and Europe, the World Congress of Gay Jews was formed in 1976. This was only the second time the World Congress met outside of North America or Europe, and was the first time to be in Oceania. In the US, Gay Pride celebrates the Stonewall Inn Uprising, which happened 50 years ago, the 28th of June, 1969. No, I was not there. I was 13. Stonewall Uprising was a breaking point from the systematic harassment and punishment for being homosexual in New York City. For the first time, gay and transgender patrons resisted. This went on for three nights as a full uprising. It was celebrated the following year, beginning the GLBTQ pride parade celebrations we know today. Being punished for being homosexual was sanctioned. It was law. It was accepted. In 1973, the U.S. Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality as a psychiatric disorder. Thirty years later, in 2003, the U.S. Supreme Court decriminalized homosexuality, finally forcing states, including Florida, to decriminalize homosexual, homosexuality as well. Twelve years later, in 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled the same-sex couples have the right to marry anywhere in the United States, thus overturning Florida and many other states' ban on same-sex marriage. To Australia, in 1978, the LGBTQ in Sydney, Australia, assembled to commemorate the Stonewall Uprising and parade down Oxford Street for Mardi Gras. The number quickly grew as the bars emptied to 2,000 revelers. A riot ensued, arrests were made, arrested names were printed in the paper, effectively outing the participants. These original participants are affectionately referred to as the 78ers. Today, Sydney's Mardi Gras has 9,000 participants and 300,000 watching the parade, making it one of the world's largest pride celebrations. St. Pete, which is tomorrow, will have 
up to about 250,000 people at the, to watch the parade. And World Pride next week in New York City is expected to see 4.5 million additional people in the city for Pride celebrations. Yes, I will be there. So while in Australia, I met Vic Alhavdef, and I hope I didn't murder his name, as the editor of the local New South Wales Jewish newspaper 20 years ago, he helped the acceptance of Jews to simply be gay in Sydney community, simply by covering the first gay Jewish float to be in the Sydney Mardi Gras. This was quite controversial. For weeks, the Jewish newspaper printed all letters to the editor on the subject. While a few diehard made most of the negative noise, the community was overwhelmingly supportive in print. Vic now represents New South Wales Jewish Board of Deputies, think Federation, and was proud to share the group had publicly supported Australian marriage equality in a vote of 99 to 1, and was the only mainstream religion, religious group to do so in Australia. Vic, who is obviously an ally to the LGBTQ plus community, in Sydney credits a gay rights crusader, Dawn Grace Cohen, who he always had respect for her articulation with causing him to take the seemingly bold step. While neither the US nor Australia have full equality rights protections for gays, lesbians, bisexuals, transgenders, transgenders, or intersexuals, both countries have legal same-sex marriage the U.S. in 2015, as I mentioned, and Australia in 2017. Australia is moving faster than the U.S. in this and other areas. The first religious same-sex marriage occurred at our host synagogue for the Congress, Emmanuel Synagogue, on the 2nd of March, 2018. I was privileged to meet, visit with, and become friends with Elon Buckman and Oscar Shub, the 70-something couple who tied the knot in front of 125 friends and family from across the world. They met 47 years before at a dinner party in Tel Aviv. Oscar is from South Africa. Elon is from Poland. They are godfathers to French children's. They live a good Jewish life. Both of them are menches. The four rabbis at Emmanuel fought over who would officiate at their ceremony, or so the story goes. Media coverage did circle the globe for this milestone. I arrived in Sydney in time to hear the whole Megillah, speed read by six who were fluent in Hebrew, while one rabbi was drinking a beer, dressed as a farmer, and another rabbi was circulating with a case of beer. The transgender rabbi was dressed as Wonder Woman. For some reason, I felt I was in the right place. This was followed after a break by a full parody production, Permspiel, with choir, starring Mordecai as Batman, Sydney as Gotham, and with all local pending election humor included. The straight female rabbi, Jacqueline Nino, has been writing and directing these original Permspiels for 20 years. All the performers were off book. 
for the theater geeks. Theater geeks. We visited the Jewish Museum and the Gay and Lesbian Holocaust Memorial, which happens to be right next door on our first official day. Back at synagogue, afternoon tea and biscuits. We heard from the first ordained lesbian rabbi in 1989 in England, Ella Tikva Sarah, author of Troublemaking Judaism. She spoke for an hour without water about a multitude of LGBT histories, including examining the Torah text for examples of gay and lesbians in the stories. Her straight classmate from England, now living in Melbourne, attended the Congress as an ally, Rabbi Aviva Kippen. She was a delight. For many years, she was a chaplain at a university. We heard from a member of parliament who was also a member of the congregation, Professor Karen Phillips. And I'm going to repeat the name, Karen Phelps. She was the first female president of the AMA, the Australian Medical Association, she was a television personality who was outed when she went to New York with her partner to be married. She became a reluctant advocate for GLBTQ plus rights in Australia. She and her partner became the first same-sex couple to adopt a child when that became legal. She played an important part in the yes vote for marriage equality in Australia. And she too converted to Judaism. Were her the grim statistics from Professor Paula Gerber about world human rights and LGBTQ rights and the consequences which creates refugees from oppression because of who you love and your gender. And all seven countries were represented about the same as 25 years ago. 95 people were registered from around the globe with lots of first timers from Australia, New Zealand and Singapore about a third of what were attended 25 years ago in New York City. 110 attended the Shabbat dinner with the local gay mayor, the local gay mayor, head of the local Jewish Federation, and a gay member of parliament. 35 presenters from around the globe. Attendees represented Orthodox, Conservative, Masardi, Progressive, Reform, and Renewal branches of Judaism, as well as non-Jewish attendees, and of course, LGBTQ+. My journey continues. After all, life is a journey. It was 25 years ago when a partner of a member of the Tampa Gay Temple, Beth Rockamin, wanted to convert. The only place who would accept him was here at Congregation Sherazetta. No fanfare, no notoriety, just one of the conversion class members up here on the Bema with three minutes to tell why he was converting to Judaism. It was wonderful, and I now attend every year. For the three years I served on the Board of Trustees, I made sure to be the pulpit representative. When I moved back to Tampa and joined Sherazetic, albeit at my father's urging, I determined if someone asked if I was gay, I would answer instead of deflect. I found I was accepted by the Brotherhood Board for who I was warts and all. Being gay was never an issue. Several men on the Brotherhood Board extended themselves to make sure any gay issue would be addressed. We may rarely agree on all things, but we are taught in Judaism, every life matters. 
Let me encourage all of you to be present, be vigilant, be inclusive, be an ally for others so they will be one for you. This can save lives. These statistics about GLBTQ plus have not changed in the past 40 years. Number one, GLBTQ plus make up less than 5% of the population, but account for 30% of all teen suicides attempts. Number two, 30% of all GLBT have a chemical addiction blamed on dealing with sexuality, gender, and acceptance. Please listen, show compassion and understanding, provide support where you can for all people, but especially those we perceive as different from ourselves. We are all stronger when we work together. So in closing, I brought you all something back from Australia. You should look for it at the ONET. I share with you a possible new addiction. They're called tantans. What we call a cookie, Aussies call a biscuit. Only this biscuit is dipped in chocolate. Enjoy. Shabbat shalom, y'all. <laughs>